Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. I was trying to think back over the last 37 years plus of my life to try to remember a hailstorm quite like the one that we saw on Saturday. And the only one that comes to mind, there was one, I want to say it was 2010, 2011-ish. I was still a reporter here at 770, and it really battered the Northwest. Seems to me like the Northwest Auto Mall got the worst of it. The vehicles were all dented and dimpled. Uh, the glass is broken out, that kind of thing. As a kid, I remember, and I want to say it was 1995 or so, um, we were out on the farm, and I remember the crops being absolutely flattened. We had to put what they're called pickups on the swather to pick the crop up. So it must have been early part of mid part of August, maybe, maybe even early part of September. And it was awful. And I'm sure that there are other stories like that. But we wanted to deal with the here and now and just trying to assess the damage and see the pictures and and just to see it for yourself as something else. And uh, we've heard from an, a number of different people about this to this point. And, and I wanted to bring in uh, NDP leader Rachel Notley to talk about her trek through northeast Calgary today. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ms. Notley. I guess the first question becomes is what came to mind as you did the touring through today? Well, I mean, I, I just kind of thought about uh, the families. Uh, you know, I've met, I talked with uh, uh, many, many families today, and, and really the first thing was, you know, where were you when it happened? Where were you and your kids? How did your kids feel? Were they scared? Uh, because I think, and that was actually something that I, I heard a lot about. Um, so that was really the first thing. And then, of course, you know, you have all these families, and they're they're looking out at, at, at the outside of their houses, and they're they're seeing them being just devastated. And and you know, we we went around to several different neighborhoods, and and in those neighborhoods, there there literally was not a single solitary house that hadn't been sliced and ripped. Uh, and and uh, you know, it looked like a war zone. And then when you combine that with the the broken glass all over the street from the from the house or sorry from the cars that had been so damaged it it really did look like almost a different place and and uh, I really felt for those families who you know in many cases aren't necessarily fully insured and aren't really sure what their next step's going to be. You've been premier during uh, natural disasters like we've seen t- over the last uh, few days here. What is available from a provincial government standpoint to be able to help some of those who might not have in- or might have some in- uninsurable losses? Sure. Well, at the, at the, as a starting point, uh, should uh, the municipality request it, should the, the uh, provincial government uh, uh, ex- accept it, they can declare a disaster, and uh, then through that, um, uh, both the municipality and residents of that municipality can access a disaster relief program. And so that program offers up some support uh, for people who are underinsured or uninsured. Um, it may not, however, cover every cost that people have incurred. And so I think in that case, you know, I think the government needs to look at whether there might be other um um, things that they would consider to have the back of people in this community. You know, for instance, we heard, I mean, this is far and away the, the worst and definitely the biggest uh, kind of hailstorm uh, that we've seen. But but there was a smaller subset of people that had much less damage uh, in 2016 
And now what's going to happen is they're going to be hit with a massive deductible and a significant bump in their premiums because of this second thing. But they can't not do it because their houses have literally been sliced away. And then there's people who, of course, don't have, uh, didn't have insurance on their vehicles because of uh, COVID-19. And those people are, are losing uh, you know, massive amounts. Of, they're losing the value of their vehicle, basically. This is one of the challenges as well, is you've got so many different facets to this, whether it be not just the hail damage and the physical damage from that, but also the flooding damage. You have basements that have been flooded out, that kind of thing. I mean, it does can the province set up a program right off the bat, or does it, as you mentioned, does it need to have uh, the community come forward, the municipality, and say, hey, we need your help, please set something up for us? Um, I think it almost should be happening at the same time. I mean, the province certainly can take the initiative. I mean, obviously, in a situation like where it was Fort McMurray, for instance, the the province basically uh, operated at the same pace as the municipality, in some cases ahead of it, uh, and it very much depends. Uh, you know, I had a chance to speak briefly with the mayor today. I have no doubt that they are very willing to to work hand-in-glove uh, with the provincial government. The other thing, you know, certainly what I remember with Fort McMurray uh, in 2016 is that the sheer number of insurance claims uh, required us as government to work with insurance bureau to set up a, an accelerated uh, means of people making insurance claims. Uh, and, and the insurance bureau did do that work for sure, but they did it in concert with sort of the emergency planning. And uh, so I would think that that kind of thing has to happen pretty quickly as well, uh, because the sheer volume of insurance claims that we're going to see is uh, going to be quite unprecedented. This is just another hit on Calgary that has been battered by pretty much anything imaginable over the last little while. How concerned are you for the residents of the city in southern Alberta that are facing just uh, unprecedented times? And I feel like that's not even the right word at this point. Yeah, no, well, I mean, it's, it's, I, I feel for, for all Albertans. I mean, you know, the people of Fort McMurray, you know, when they had the flooding in, in April and, you know, and, and of course the drop in the price of oil and they're just recovering from the fire in 2016. And then we had the COVID and, and, uh, you know, I, I worry for, for how they they um, move forward with that, and I know that the people of Calgary. I mean, we've seen, frankly, we've seen a quarter of a million of uh, jobs lost, and um, so I know people are worried, and it and it is stressful. And I've I've actually been really impressed with the resilience and the uh, the degree to which people are still pulling together and accepting high levels of uncertainty, and uh, still thinking about you know just doing what they need to keep themselves and their families secure and so i think that speaks very well to to albertans but i think they also need the certainty that they can count on uh you know all levels of government having their backs in in times like this are you going to be calling on the province to assess the emotional toll of all that's happened as well i mean you can you can throw money at at the the issues and throw money at the uh the the phys- the 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 damage and that kind of thing, but you can't really throw money at um, the emotional toll. Are there are there enough supports in place? Do we need to, to reassess the mental health side of things as we come yeah. out of COVID and everything else? Well, I mean, I think we do. I mean, there's no question, and we, we have called on them to do that. Uh, and to their credit, they have already taken some steps in that direction. Uh, they're not unaware of the of the mental health 
consequences. And I know they would have gotten that advice because we got that advice when we were dealing with Fort McMurray. Um, and so, uh, you know, that there has been some preliminary work. But unfortunately, it's happening at the same time that other we're seeing massive losses in terms of other support. So, yeah, you can put together a, a kid's helpline and put a bit another million dollars into a kid's helpline. But if you then turn around and fire 15,000 educational assistants who help special needs students uh, cope with uh, many challenges, including the stress of not being in school for three months, well, then, you know, what's the net outcome? And so I think that globally we have to look at uh, what support services uh, Albertans already rely on, how we need to preserve those, and then, of course, then look at, at what additional pressures uh, Albertans are feeling and, and where we're able to step in uh, to provide supports that, that are meaningful. Ms. Notley, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. Okay, you take care.